Welcome to Look Behind the Look, the celebrated podcast that explores your favorite looks in film, television, and fashion history. Through conversations with the fashion world's elite and award-winning hair, makeup, and costume designers on sets around the world, you will see and hear exciting tales from behind the scenes, career origin stories, and tons of advice and tips. I'm your host, Tiff. Hello, and welcome to Look Behind the Look. Today, we are talking to costume designer Bina Diagler. She's the mastermind behind Kate Blanchett's costumes in Tar. And when costumes, makeup, and hair, and set design are all married in the way they are in Tar, you don't notice any of them necessarily because they're all enhancing the performance. And so all that you see is the film. We talk about her masterful work in Tar, and it's getting a lot of awards buzz. So if you haven't seen it, of course, go see Tar. Bina is a seasoned costume designer, and you might know her work from the Oscar-nominated work that she did for Milan. We discussed that beautiful work, and I also really wanted to talk to her about one of my favorite directors that she's worked with often, Pedro Almodovar, so we discussed those movies. And she even told me about her current project, which is about Cristobal Balenciaga, which seems very exciting. So listen to this conversation I had with Bina, and let me know what you think. So let's listen and talk about their extraordinary work right now. Hi, Bina. How are you? Thank you for joining me today. Uh, I'm so, so thrilled to be talking to you because Tar is my absolute favorite film of the year. I'm certainly not alone in that a lot of people feel the same way. And you have so many other projects that we can talk about, like 1899 and Mulan and Pedro Almodovar. And I'm just so excited to get into it. But I do want to start with Tar, if that's okay with you. Yeah, of course. I This film was impeccable. The detail was another level. And I, I just want to ask you how this project came to you as a costume designer. And had you worked with Todd Fields before? I didn't think that you um, did. No, I had worked with Kate before. Oh, on I Mrs. Worked- America. Yeah, I did Miss America and I did also Manifesto, the oh. video installation of Julian Roosevelt. Um, that's so. right. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. So wonderful. So she she was the connection and the through line to this project. And, and what mm-hmm. did you think when you were first presented with this script? What did it look like it, when it was gesticulating and developing? Um, it was already like... Um, very much the final version. I oh. think that is because um, Todd Field had worked on it quite a time. And I um, I think I heard, I got the script like a year before or so, something like that. And mm-hmm. then I just hoped very much that it comes together because I thought that the idea is amazing. And I think that a good script is always the base of a good movie. So yeah. I was lucky to read it and I was absolutely thrilled about it. So so did anything change as it was forming or was the, what you received the final script? It was. The uh-huh. only thing that changed is that um, we shot a lot of scenes that I think was very important for us and mm-hmm. for the actors and for everybody to shoot them. But they are not in the final mm-hmm. movie. Okay. What's, what's a scene that, like that that you can think of? Well, there is, for example, a birthday scene, oh. the famous birthday scene. Mm-hmm. And a lot of side scenes, 
Okay. Um, and I think that that is one of the strongest sides of the movie that it is really cut so perfectly down to to the skeleton and and that it's so essential mm -hmm. what is left. Yes. It surprised me a lot when I saw it, but I also think that that is very positive. Yes, the minimalism of the story. Like, I don't even know how someone would describe the film. When I try to tell people about it, it's, you know, it's very difficult to put into words what it is, what it's about. It's something different to everybody else. So, but the minimalism is what makes it so powerful and so when you were costume designing for this did did you have a palette you were working with that was very minimal did you edit it as you went or was it always kept very sparse um i think my costume design has tendency to be very minimalist mm -hmm. like very um straightforward or um obviously it depends on the project i like it to keep it very clean and very basic and fundamentalist and, mm -hmm. and like they um be it strong but in a very um laid back way if mm -hmm. that makes mm -hmm. sense okay yes yeah. so so what are the elements in making something appear that powerful with just a few items well, I think that that is that um, we tailored a lot of things yeah. and really with um, with old couture and, and old fashioned ma male tailoring mm. and that also the choice of fabrics um, make often give it another level mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and that the, let's say, pur purchased costumes also were of a very like high fashion level right and and very curated mm -hmm. there are also vintage pieces and everything is somehow really curated and and there are behind each piece there are a lot of thoughts um it's nothing by chance or right very yeah. deliberate very mm -hmm. deliberate was that tailoring scene was that a real scene by chance or was it well in the script it was um written in um two sentences oh and when it... i decked in i said to thought this is not a two sentence scene <laughs> and at the moment um in the schedule we have like two hours to shoot it that doesn't work out <laughs> and then we did a whole um full two-day second unit shoot of and, that and, scene yeah wow we, got, we really made the whole the whole jacket wow. we had all i had the jacket was already done but we repeated it then sure. for on screen because it was all done by my tailors beforehand because we we shot it before oh, okay the, the, the scene with where we see her tailoring we did that later on so how did you convince Todd and the producers to to give you more time to do that? Oh no, that was not my. It was Todd. It was Todd. Todd, yeah. Todd explained okay. me what he wanted, and, ah. and then I realized, and I said to him, "You know that 
we don't have that at the moment. So we have to find out how we do it and where we do it, what is the right location and who are the people that can really do this. Ah, yes. And then we just developed it with the production designer and with Todd and with everybody, yeah. Wow, wow, mm -hmm. wow. And then what were the elements in having in showing how she was falling apart? What what did you have to keep in mind as she was becoming more and more disheveled? Well, for me, it's always very like my goal is you achieve to show the emotions of the actors through um your costume design yes. and through the wardrobe that they are wearing. And I think that happens to all of us when we are not in a very good shape. You can somehow see it, how mm -hmm. we are dressed and, and how we present ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that is what I translated also to her. You know, that like perhaps it's not a complete suit that she's any longer wearing. It is more a mismatch. And um, the pants would be one that, Normally, perhaps she wouldn't wear out not to work and, and it was a little bit too big. There were just like little things that made her looking less put together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, I, it's, I think that worked out very well because it just goes with the tempo of the movie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and when she changes to to this different kind of personality right. and when like the audience realize something is really um, important happening to her. But what is different about you is that it's so subtle and sometimes in a, with a character like this, it can be too stylized and too like the clothes kind of take over, you know, and it's, it's too much. How did you edit? How do you did you have to hold back a little bit? It's so hard to make Kate look, you know, like a uh, any kind of normal person. <laughs> She's so glamorous, and you know, uh, did you know what designers you were going to use to be able to illustrate this profession level of professionalism, you know, and minimalism? I think that I definitely knew what kind of colors I want to. Okay, work with. yeah, of course, and then. For me, I work very um, driven by my intuition. Ah. So, for example, um, the person who joined me in London for the first fitting, um, who helped me with the, with the buying, um, she came to me through a recommendation, and, and I knew her from before, but she does normally more... Um, works in vintage and um, it was just, she was the perfect person because her connections were again, perfect for my needs. And, and she introduced me to Le Maire, um, this brand, and then they um, worked with us. And um, I had some pieces from Studio Nicholson. Then she brought a lot of vintage pieces that we organized and, and we made them work. And it, it's somehow like, I think all the artists in their creative um, process work with their intuitions. Yes. That is also like suddenly I go into a shop that I have never entered before, but that day I go into it and I just find exactly what I was looking for. Mm -hmm. And I think that is how, how 
how it then works out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Does it help that you're working with Kate often and, you know, the whole creative team, Morag and Morag Ross, the makeup artist? Yeah. That mm -hmm. helps a lot because obviously that I know Morag and, and, and we know both Kate, it, it, it's a huge shortcut. Mm. It's a very huge shortcut. And also my relationship with Todd was immediately very, very close. Wonderful. There was immediately a, a, an artistic understanding between us, us and also like a trust. Mm. And right. um, we discussed a lot. Like we, we talked a lot. There was a lot of communication and um, it was really a job that also the production designer said it the other day in an interview, like we worked the whole time. It was a very constant process of, of, of thinking and finding details and discussing it again. But it helps if you know each other, because I had also worked with the production designer before and that really helps. That's great. That's great. So it was a new director, but the same team around Kate and the production designer. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Yes. So it's not a totally new world for you every time. Because Mrs. Miss America is quite different, <laughs> yeah. you know, than Tar. She was so colorful and, and yet still restrained, you know, but but that period, you really, really did an amazing job there too. Um and then now for 1899, which I'm less familiar with, uh, but you know that 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 is completely over the top. What? How much fun is that to work on? It was super pleasant to work on 1899. Really? Because, yeah, we it we started very early on during the pandemic. Ah. But that made it like that we had, because we had to stop, but we didn't really stop. And that somehow gave us a long time of soft prep. Okay. And I remember it like we could um, develop so many ideas. And that in a period piece is really, really beautiful. The The development of each costume um, was really special and at the beginning, there were, um, this is now like a spoiler for the people that haven't seen this, the okay. series, but I can't do anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> At the beginning, um, and they were they were designed, all the actors had several uh, costumes and outfits, but in our long um, prep time, realize, I realized that the base of the story works much better if everybody has one hero costume okay so i cut my own cost my own designs away wow <laughs> kept like the again the basics right and what helped you to make a decision about what would be the hero costume ah uh, that was very it, okay that was it it was just we we just knew they were some costumes they were so strong we, we we started with Mora, you know, like with Mora, where I suddenly said, why is she changing? It doesn't make sense that she changes. Okay. So that was the first one. And then we went to the next one and, oh, and we love this one so much. And, and I said, why is she not wearing it always? You know, it, it went like, and ah. we suddenly said, exactly, these are the hero costumes. And it just, once you know the story, it makes sense. And 
Um, and what the curious thing is, I always thought the actors will get bored, like if they have to wear now six months the same costume. But no, <laughs> somehow they were so strong, the costumes, that they always wanted to wear it again. Sure. I mean, Superman wears that same costume for quite some time. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And then Mulan is another one that I wanted to ask you about because I cannot. It's so funny in contrast to like Tar, these ones like 1899 and Mulan that are just so dramatically huge. And just how how do you do you prefer working on something that big or or something small or does it not matter? Do you how do you work differently on such a huge project? I like a lot. Ah. The the mixture. Maximal. I think that is really oh, nice because you like at the end yeah. A, a small project is the same intensity sure. than the big one. Yes. It's it's just like different. And Mulan was definitely a very special one because we were a lot of friends working there. Well, actually, we got friends, but we got like friends immediately. Um, the location was amazing to be in New Zealand. Oh. Um, I loved it. I had the best crew. And just like these, being able to do this absolutely fantasy world with all these colors and the beautiful fabric and the embroidery and all that, I really, really enjoyed it. It was so joyful. And also what I enjoyed when you go through my career, I did a lot of very, very depressing movies about <sighs> horrible dictatorships and horrible stories. And so to do something delightful was really, really nice for me. It, I just enjoyed it that I, I'm doing a joyful movie. Right. And empowering. And, and now yeah. that was not filmed during COVID. That came out during COVID, correct? Yes. Yes, I remember. Okay. I remember it was one of the first ones that we all were so excited to see a new movie, you know, while we were in lockdown. And so everybody... Mm -hmm. <laughs> gathered around to watch it and then the use of color in Mulan was very interesting it was so minimal so I feel like you just you just know how to edit yourself and is that something that you go by instinct but where did you learn that skill to not go too far because someone who worked with Pedro Amadovar, I feel like would just be a maximalist all the time you know but you're really quite curated and 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 restrained um, without looking. It still looks beautiful. Yeah, I know that um, Pedro said about Tar. Um, <laughs> he said even that she only used gray, it looked amazingly interesting because that. obviously Almodova likes a lot of color, and if I don't uh -huh. give him five colors in one screen, I'm boring. <laughs> um, but that is, you know, that is his cinematographic language. And I think it is awesome and it works perfectly for his yes. movies. But then there are other directors for them is olive green already at too much color. So uh -huh. somehow 
the costume designers, we adapt to each director we have and to each project. But yes, we have our own style. And and for me, also perhaps it is because it fits to the projects I choose. Um, it's always important that my costumes support the actor and that they are not too strong and okay. uh, and take too much attention. Right. It's just like the costume has to lift up the performance of the actor yes. and not be a handicap. Yes. And That's... and that is that are special details, you know. Because for some of the other day and uh project I do now, the director didn't want the tie. And the actor and I we looked at each other and we said, Well, if you take the tie away, the whole you will see everything falls apart of his costume and if his look. And he took the tie off and it was really gone. So for my, so some people they need the support, and other perhaps. It would have been too much. It depends very much who you have in front of you and, and who actor, you are addressing. Actor or director or both? No. In that case, the actor, we both mm -hmm, wanted the mm -hmm. tie. You so, wanted the tie. Mm -hmm. Because he really needed it. It, yeah. it gave him this little, you know, lift and made it more special. And, and without the tie, it just was more boring and... So you you really have to be there very um, sensitive about all these little details. What is too much? What is too less? Yes. And how do you illustrate that? How do you illustrate that point? Does a director take the time to see it with and without and hear Yeah. And out? sometimes yeah. you don't agree. Mm -hmm. And then it depends and you discuss it. And then who do you... Okay. Yes, I was wondering how that conversation, what that conversation looked like. You know, who who wins? Who? <laughs> well, I think it it depends. Sometimes we come to the same decision. Sometimes not. It, mm -hmm. it depends. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. That's really funny that you said about Pedro uh, dealing with five colors. Is that really something that he that he uh, sort of a well, number is, that he likes? No, he definitely likes to play a lot with colors mm -hmm. and he does it very very well so well because it's it's an amazing aesthetic and his in how he does it and how he works together with his production designer and his costume designers because on his movies it always works but mm -hmm. I had the impression that when he started it later on, there were a lot of directors that imitated a little yes. bit this look. And yes. for me, then often it didn't work. It was right. too much. And I just thought, oh, they should have calmed down a little bit with the colors. Right. So so what is that secret? What's this? We don't know. I think it's good taste. Good taste. Yes. I don't know, but I think it's No, I, I agree with you. It's really, it's it's something that you just can't explain. And it's something where they just look at the screen and say, not that one thing, right? Mm -hmm. mm. Yep. Take away that one thing, the edit. Um, yes, because I know exactly what you Sometimes it can look like patchwork or collage. Whereas when he does it, it just looks like a beautiful party that we all want to be at. Oh, yes, definitely. You know, yeah. just we want to be there. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. 
And so, so when you come to a director and you begin to feel the director out and you say, you know, in your mind, you're saying, is this relationship going to work? Are we going to be able to work together? What things are you looking for uh, in that initial meetup that you respond to their vision or do they ask you your vision and you feel like you're being interviewed? Do you know? I think it it's interesting because, for example, I I hate it if I have to, the moments um, when I was at my career that they, before hiring, they wanted to see a mood board. Okay. I find that doesn't, for me, that doesn't sure, work. And I'm sure. not on my best because I work so much with my, like, feelings once I met the director. Because also the same script, two different directors would do a complete different interpretation. Absolutely. And I think that somehow I adapt, I make the costumes for the whole project. I don't make my costumes. I make costumes according to the whole project that we are doing, Mm -hmm. according to to the director, to the actor, to what, how is the DOP? It's like the whole thing that comes together. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, in my opinion, a teamwork. So if they ask for something and you don't have enough um, information, it's very difficult that you get it right from the beginning. Of course, yeah. And obviously then sometimes also it's like, the director perhaps interviews one costume designer and this one costume designer had an amazing idea and I just didn't make this connection. And on another one, I make the connection and we just know, okay, this is the person. I think somehow it works like this. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like the other day I had like a first time meeting with the director and I ordered a tea. I had no idea what I ordered. I just like this one. And it was this beautiful, beautiful, shiny blue tea. It looked so beautiful. The, the director and I, we both looked at this amazingly <laughs> beautiful tea and we are, we are looking at it and he said, this is a sign. <gasps> you know, like, and I felt the same thing. It was like, we're both looking at it and, oh, this is, yeah. And then, you know, it's a ridiculous sample. But it is not. It is one hot. <laughs> I can one hundred percent relate to that. It's it's just sometimes the blue tea is what does it, you know. And you can yeah. And, and, over and that other moments, there's you feel it. There's nothing. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're just yes. not the right person. You have to fall in love on that date. You know, you have to just fall in love. Yeah. And if you're not going to fall in love, if you're looking for something and trying to just please someone and you can't connect, it's not going to make a good <laughs> project. Yes, absolutely. I saw that you were working on Balenciaga. Uh, yes. Yeah. Oh, can you talk about that a little bit? I can no? talk about it a little bit. Yes. Oh, okay. So it's about it's- Cristobal Balenciaga yes. and his... Yes. Um, it's all his time in in Paris when he starts because he had his first um he worked in in Madrid and in north of Spain 
he had his beginnings. And then he he went to Paris and he started, he tried his luck in Paris. So that is when the it starts. And it's and, all this time period. And it's a series. Yes, it's ah. a series and it's a beautiful, um, it's beautiful because um, they are, it's a Spanish project with oh. um, Disney Plus from Spain. Okay. And the actor is Spanish and the directors, we had three they are amazing, talented, and they um, are Spanish. And they are from the north where Cristobal Valenciaga was born. So they oh, had wow. like they are their huge connection. And we shot most of the part. We shot parts in Paris and parts there in north of Spain. So it oh, was really my. interesting. You've been having some fun, fun and beautiful shoots. Then. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, that's wonderful. It was very nice to do it. It was very interesting. I had a lot of um, research. I could go to the archive of Balenciaga. Oh, no. I went to wow. the uh, archive of the Fashion Museum in, in Paris. Wow. And um, it was amazing to do it. Just That's like a- to, to do these haute couture, to recreate the haute couture. You're recreating them. You're yes. recreate. I see. Okay. Oh, wow. How do you, yes. oh my gosh, that's amazing. So do you go there with a team or by yourself or? Um, I went by myself. It mm-hmm. was because mm-hmm. we were a very small team. Yeah. It was. A, oh, wow. It, yes. It, it was comparing with, it was not a Hollywood production. Okay. It was a Spanish production. So it was. Wow on a scale that was not huge. So we were co-designing it. I, I An assistant of mine um, co-designed it with me because I knew we, we had so much to do that we had like to be all over the places. And yeah, it was, it was really, really amazing. That I'm so happy that this, t- I was really excited to see that this was happening so that people can understand what Bal- Balenciaga is, you know, and, and the man behind this who, who see, you know, can be, it, you can forget the original creators as the generations go by and the kids have to know. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Know. Yes, that's wonderful. So Bina, will you let me know um, how, will you let everyone know how they can see 1899? Cause that's your most current project that's out there now. But that is on Netflix. Yep. And um, it's yeah, a series. It's doing and it's very a, well. It's doing very well. And it's, it's called horror, but really, I mean, would you categorize it as horror just as a viewer? No, it's, it's I not, wouldn't yeah. call it. No, I, I wouldn't say it's, it's, I think it is an intrigue. And it's, I think I would call it mystery. Ah, yes. Or thriller? Mystery. A thriller, a mi- mystery. Um, yeah. But nobody should be off put about it being a horror film. I thought, I, a uh, project. I thought that that was a no, little. I'm very easy to scare and I wasn't scared. <laughs> okay, good. And of course, Tar, your masterpiece and everybody involves masterpiece is, you know, uh, available for people to see digitally. And if you have not seen it, I don't know why. And you need to watch it right after hearing us talk about it because it's brilliant. 
Um, but good luck to you with all of the, uh, I'm sure there's awards buzz and all that wonderful talk about the project. So yeah, I don't, I don't know if you let things get to you like that, but uh, it's hard not to just sit and, and hope. So I, I, I hope the best for you as well, because you're certainly deserving. Your work is absolutely incredible. Thank you very, very much. Thank and you, thank Bina. you for having me. Oh my gosh, my pleasure. My pleasure, Bina. Thank, thank you. Thank you very much. Look Behind the Look is a Vinyl Foot production written by me, your host, Tiffany Bartok, produced by Jace Bartok, edited by Nicole Tucker. If you're interested in learning more, find our video version on the YouTube channel, Look Behind the Look Podcast. There you can see rare photos and clips from our guests. And please follow us on Twitter at Look Behind Pod and Instagram at Look Behind the Look. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe. And tell your friends and spread the word. You can subscribe to us on iTunes or any podcatcher of your choice. Thanks for listening to Look Behind the Look.